Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Lee Sinclair Four Grain Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-age, double-pot distilled, non-chill filtered bourbon has creamy, round, and lifting notes with caramel and vanilla, followed by apple, mint, graham cracker, and ginger, as well as cardamom. The finish is slightly French walnut, resolving the sweet, fruity, almost ground cherry and white pepper. Our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick. Respect the grain. Please enjoy responsibly. Hey, Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts. Another podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. We got a special podcast tonight. Uh, we have a special guest on. Uh, first time that he's been on, uh, David Mandel. Welcome, David. David. Hey guys, thanks for having me. It's it's great to have you here. So, uh, David is the CEO of the. I gotta get this right. The Whiskey House of Kentucky. And uh, that is something that you're going to be hearing a lot, a lot more of. And uh, normally I give a bunch of uh, promotion type stuff, but tonight uh, there's a lot to get into. So let's uh, let's get right into it with David. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. And already we were in the pre-talk. You've been giving us so much information already. But but just to start off right now, talk about what you did. Before you ever got into this, I mean, it's just like you, 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 it was a completely different uh, profession, right? Than than this. Well, if you, if, yeah, well, sir, if we're going way back, um, and I hate saying that now because I'm starting to realize, you know, how old I'm getting, and that is not fun uh, at all. What are you like, thirty eight? Oh, God bless you. I, I mean, that, that's just great. Let's pretend that that is the case. And so. <laughs> When I when I started um, my career, I started as a lawyer, uh, practicing law in Philadelphia. I went to law school and I went to undergrad at, at WashU, and I was a, a history major and English minor, and you know never 
did I imagine, frankly, ever really imagine that I would ever be um, in business. I certainly never meant, never thought that I would be in alcohol. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, life, you know, is in many ways a process of elimination. Um, and I think you figure out what you don't like um, fast and then you figure out what you do like. And so uh, for me, it was very much, you know, a journey. And, you know, I, uh, I was, um, you know, practicing in a law firm in Philadelphia, a great firm, uh, Blank Room. Um, and, you know, I had in my career so many people you know, gave me, you know, really wonderful opportunities to take, you know, leadership roles. And they, you know, and they were opportunities that, you know, that come to you and you, you know, you have to run with them. And I had an opportunity at the time I was uh, asked, uh, we did a lot of work in Philadelphia. We, we frankly, we did a lot of uh, actually election law uh, work. And I was asked to go on the recount um, for George W. Bush uh, at the time. And I was sent to Florida uh, and, I was given three counties down there to do military ballot arguments. If you remember back in the days with the hanging chads, um, that seems like so long ago. There's a whole different issue on the West Coast. And I, I did that. Uh, and I came back after the Supreme Court ruled. And I was, you know, in my early 20s at the time. And uh, the chairman of the firms asked me if, you know, I was interested in the political position. You know, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. I mean, in my early 20s. is So I ended up. This is right before 9-11, going down and interviewing at the White House. And, um, after 9-11, I ended up uh, with the chairman of the National Transportation Safety Board as her counsel. Spent a year there, and she was appointed um, uh, administrator of uh, the Federal Aviation Administration. I went over there as chief of staff. And I spent uh, almost five years with her there. And it was you know, during that time, I was on a trip, um, and uh, we came up, was out drinking, Red Bull and vodka with my roommate, Dan Lind, who was the CFO of Bardstown and one of the founders of Bardstown. And this is the CFO and one of the founders of Whiskey House. And we uh, started the first caffeinated alcohol, uh, caffeinated vodka you know, at the time. Uh, and that's how we got into the spirits business, knowing absolutely nothing about what we were doing. Oh, okay. So, so this is a question that uh, I find that when you're when you're in the spirits industry, especially in the whiskey industry, and then you uh, and then the bourbon industry, the whiskey industry and the bourbon industry are similar, except with whiskey, as you start to expand out and you get into scotches and that type of thing, uh, the what would you say? Bourbon, the bourbon industry is so close knit and tied together amongst the distilleries, even from state to state. There's people in Indiana that know people in Kentucky. There's people in Ohio that, you know, everybody's the 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 actual making of that whiskey, that industry, you know, people from other states come up Texas. They come up to Kentucky. They Kentucky people go down to New Orleans. I mean, it's just like when it comes to bourbon, there's this. It's almost like a family. Then, when it comes to whiskey, then you're adding in the cousins and the aunts and the uncles. But then when you but if you I found when you expand out to the other, uh, you know, you know, vodka tequila the other spirits, it all of a sudden becomes a little bit more sales, marketing, business, glitz, and glamour. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't have quite the 
the relationships into that area. Did you find that when you were making? You know, it's it's really so. We were in vodka, you know, at the time, and it was a very different. You're right. It's a very different. Um, it's a very different community. Again, the whole spirits industry is actually still um, at one level quite small, but then you know it really does break down. And I have certainly found that the bourbon industry, uh, the whiskey industry, is much closer than the bourbon industry. Absolutely. But even at the time, so we, you know, we started that company out of a two-bedroom apartment on the Lower East Side of New York in 2006. This was pre-craft spirits. You know, this was really pre-craft right beer. The, you know, early stages of the craft cocktail movement. In fact, I'll tell you, it was funny when we started, uh, and it was a product at the time was called Pink Vodka. And before, right before we sold the company, we had developed an entire line of caffeinated um, products. It was a, a flavorless caffeine. And Guarana formula infused into you know exceptional spirits, and so we had we developed a tequila, uh, a rum, a sake, and we did a white whiskey with Hudson. Remember, in New York, it was one of the original craft distilleries, and we went up there um, early on, and we were sourcing their uh, white dog, uh, which was just delicious. And so we had made a caffeinated white whiskey, and this was like really, really early before you know, before any of this. And so, um, but yes, I mean, to your point, it, it was a different, uh, it was a very different kind of um, group of people and interaction. I think that's still very much the case today. There is no doubt that the whiskey industry and particularly the bourbon industry, and particularly in Kentucky, um, it is a really tight knit and, you know, collaborative and cordial you know, working group. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's answered my question. <laughs> so, so you did you were into that and then you, you you're you met the group of people that eventually started Bardstown Bourbon Company. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, bar and girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! So, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't meet them. Um, you know, we were all working together um, at the time in our and uh, Peter Lofton, who became my business partner, was, you know, the, the main investor early on in Bardstown. And so we were developing, we were working uh, on a whiskey project and were introduced to him actually through a college roommate uh, of mine who was a fraternity brother, um, who was uh, uh, an attorney of his. And he wanted to get into the whiskey industry. And so he invested with us. and. We developed what, you know, were the early stages of Bardstown. You know, we came out with the idea that we wanted to build uh, a distillery. We actually, at the time, it was very funny. We looked at a number of different places. We looked at the idea of maybe buying an older distillery and rehabbing it. Um, uh, we looked at a number of the properties that are, that, you know, we looked at property that uh, ultimately became Castle and Key. We looked at a couple of really interesting things. But... We ultimately decided that um, building something from scratch was, um, you know, not only was it more cost effective, but again, that as we developed the business, 
Um, and it wasn't until I moved to Bardstown and we really kind of got firmly ingrained here that we began to kind of see the evolution of the business. Not, it's not as if we started day one and it was as if we all sat down and said, here's the idea. This is what we're going to go do. Um, it was something that developed and evolved over time. And so Dan and I had gotten involved in whiskey after we sold uh, the vodka company. We got very involved in uh, a number of different projects and started seeing, again, this was 2009, 2010, where whiskey was headed. We were involved in the early stages of what ultimately became uh, Hillhaven Lodge, which is no longer the market uh, that Brett Ratner put out with Diageo. We worked on uh, that project uh, in its first year uh, of, uh, of its evolution. And we did a lot of research into whiskey. And so we really saw where things were going. And then when we came to uh, Bardstown, I came out to Bardstown for the first time in 2013. Um, and, you know, we saw the property, we bought the property, we developed, you know, a wonderful relationship, early relationship with leadership here. We hired Steve Nally. Um, and it was, you know, as we did that, we got the idea for the collaborative distilling program because we saw we were living in the market. We were part of the market. We saw what brands were needing. The contracts were getting cut off with the big guys because they needed to keep the capacity. And we were here. We were building this facility. And we said, you know, why can't we, you know, do provide a service here that exists in every other industry but does not exist in whiskey, which was complete custom whiskey production at the time. And I went out and I sold that concept. Uh, and we sold the distillery out, the capacity of the distillery, before we had even finished building it. Um, and then we had to figure out <laughs> how to actually do it. That was really that's the that is honestly one of the um, one of the stories that um, is probably least known about Bardstown, and it's also one that led to you know the evolution. It's what has you know led to Whiskey House because we learned this business. We learned you know. Everything that we took from what we created at Bardstown, and when you, you very rarely in life have the opportunity to take something and do it all over again um, with all of the lessons that you've learned, and that is what we've been able to do, and it's really a wonderful opportunity. Well, th that's really cool that you said that because that's what it—that's exactly what this feels like. To you know, and it, and it's funny in any other industry, <laughs> you you you. It's it's tough to um, you build something successful and then uh, someone comes and buys it and they keep it going, but then to have an industry where you can then do that is that's such a you know it's like most of the time if you sell your clothing line they're not going to let you come out with another clothing line under that the same and then trash that clothing line but that's what bourbon and whiskey is doing right now that's what you're kind of doing but at the same time it's not that big of a deal because you're you're gonna meet a demand that throughout history has never been met <laughs> it's just like I, I, I think that i think that's that's absolutely right and there's plenty of room you know in the market um for many different you know players in this industry uh, but what we're doing at Whiskey House really it solves a very unique problem in the marketplace. And as I, you know, I mentioned, I think when we were chatting before, you know, we started uh, the podcast. You know, I think fundamentally, you know, for me, um, business has to be transformative for me. You know, that's what excites me. The business has to be transformative. 
You have to really have a purpose and you have to solve a problem. And so, you know, Whiskey House has both of those elements. And that's one of the things that's so exciting. And of course, having the opportunity to work with John Hardgrove, who is my business partner in this, who was the COO of Bardstown Bourbon Company, who was absolutely responsible for the, you know, that distilling operation and what you see there. Um, when he joined us in 2017 for Barton and took us from 25,000 to 50,000, 100,000, has some certification, ISO certification. You know, he led and built that team. And then Dan Lin, who was a financial you know, mastermind uh, behind that. So the three of us were able to get together about two years ago. And we said, you know, there is a fundamental um, issue in the marketplace now. And the need for what we started with the collaborative distilling program, the need to be able to continue to evolve that and take it to the next level is needed now um, more than ever. And so, you know, that problem really, I kind of present it this way. So over the past couple of years, you've had consolidation, you know, in the contract selling market, Bardstown and Green River are now owned by the same private equity firm. You have, uh, you have Wilderness Trail was sold to Campari and its contract customers um, were all uh, and told to exit. Uh, upon that, you know, upon that sale. And then you have the, you know, what I would call the pure investor barrel. And so that is something that has developed over the last several years. This is institutional money coming in and buying liquid without a clear pathway to where it's going to go. And that's because people were seeing, you know, whiskey appreciate at really high numbers. So what has that done? So it is, you have a lot of new field capacity that is going towards these barrels, pure investor barrels, where they're buying it, holding it, it's driven pricing up, it's caused barrel pricing to go up, um, it's taken up capacity from brands that really need this. And so brands that really need exceptional customer service, long-term contracts that they can guarantee um, in a facility that is focused on them. Because when you are when you are producing contract in a facility that's making its own brands and running hospitality, there's always an inherent conflict of interest. You know, are you focused on me? you focused on your brands and what happens when you sell? Am I going to go the way of what happened with Wilderness Trail? And so you have all of these kind of conflicts and the brands are saying, we just want, you know, great production. And so Whiskey House solves that uh, by, by uh, you know, by coming forward now with, we have designed a facility from scratch to do nothing but custom whiskey production. So even when we did Bardstown, you know, we built it, we added this on, we added that on, we had here, we had it there. You don't necessarily design the same facility when you say, you know what, we know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to design it from scratch. And so the ability to do that, taking the principles of advanced food manufacturing, which is the industry John originally came from before joining Barton. It's a background of Quaker Oats and Frito-Lay and PepsiCo. And so we have designed an absolutely state-of-the-art facility that is focused on doing the highest quality most efficient, large-scale, but flexible uh, contract custom whiskey production um, for an exclusive group of brands, no pure investor barrels, um, in a facility where we guarantee long-term contracts. There's no hospitality for the public. It's not open to the public. So think Willy Wonka, a whiskey manufacturing, in a facility that is on, you know, property that has a fully enclosed campus, um, but the most exciting part of Whiskey House is the tech, is the technological uh, backbone 
that the facility is built on. So we are taking distilling um, to where advanced food manufacturing has been for the last decade. And that is in data collection, data, de you know, data development and analysis, you know, high efficiency manufacturing. So uh, what you're going to see come out of uh, Whiskey House uh, is really going to be a thought leader uh, and an industry leader um, in advanced manufacturing in distilling for whiskey. Oh. It's exciting and amazing. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. So if somebody was to buy Whiskey House, they're buying the way it is. They're not going to be, like you were saying with Bardstown, now that they have a brand, not only are you buying the contract distilling, but you're also buying the Bardstown Bourbon Company brand. And if you were somebody else, you could decide to go whatever direction you wanted. You could... You, you can change everything, but the, this model is set up so that it's long term. So if somebody was actually if you, you down the line, someone bought it, they would be buying exactly what it's set up to be. That's kind of what yeah, you're thinking. And, and, I'll, and I'll start with the, the, just a very clear proposition. You're not looking at sell. OK, so by myself, John and Dan, there's no private equity um, in the business. Um we love this business. Um, this is something that, you know, we plan to do for the rest of our careers. We really enjoy it. And so there's nothing more that I love than working, you know, directly with our customers and giving them that kind of customer service. You know, we built that culture originally, you know, at Bardstown. Look, every business changes when the founders, you know, leave a business. And right, 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 right. And so, you know, for us, that energy, that passion, you know, that excitement, you know, that is part of every aspect of this. Um, and the beauty, you know, with this facility is that we're not focused on our own brands. So we get to put all of our energy into innovative liquid production. That's where the focus is. And why is that so important? Because for our customers and for brands, the end of the day, differentiation is going to be a driving factor going forward. There is so much liquid that is all the same now that is out there from these investor barrels. It's going to be coming into the market with no clear pathway as to where it's going. And what do brands need? Brands need innovation. They need very innovative liquid. And they need to be able to create it in a facility that they can do it cost-effectively, that is completely flexible, with a team that will make anything that they want to make. And so that's really important. And so we never we were never able to take Bardstown to that level. Um, so... We're really excited about being able to do that, you know, now, because, um, again, this, you know, the kind of technology that you're able to put in when you start from scratch um, is incredible because, you know, when it's an older business, you have something called technical debt, right? And it becomes too expensive to be able to get, for example, all of the systems to talk to each other. But if you start with that, we're making, you know, huge investments, $110 million project starting day one. Um, you know, in phase one, first phase of the building, with a significant amount of that for uh, the technology side. So imagine, you know, at the end of the day, not only are we able to give the customer all the information at their fingertips, you know, uh, that they need about their production, their portal, their inventory, their, you know, their financials, but you're able to then be able to take a single barrel at the end of the day and look back and be able to have all of the data from where the grain came from, where the barrels came from, all the manufacturing uh, data from you know the enzymes and the yeast, the manufacturing specs, all the way through to ultimately being able to see the you know the barrels in three D, 
uh, in the warehouses, be able to have the conditions in the warehouses, all of that data. There are, we have written, you know, thousands and thousands of lines of code with a great engineering team and firm. Uh, our engineering team is led by Roger Henley, who's a former head engineer of Bardstown. John Hargrove, you know, leads as a president and COO, leads the operation. We've got some amazing people joining the team. Jim Hunger ran operations at Beam and at Barton. Uh, and we're starting to put together what will be the best team, uh, hands down, in whiskey, I have no doubt. Um, the, the team that is going to join, that we are going to assemble. You know, if you were the, if you are an A team uh, operator and you really fit, you know, uh, hold yourself in high regard in terms of your skill set, Whiskey House is going to be the place for you because we have a culture that we are building. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, salary and benefits package, it has to be the best. But in terms of, you know, a operating culture and infrastructure for the employees is going to be second to we know you have to have that in order to build a customer service oriented team that ultimately is going to deliver for our customers, which are, you know, some of the best brands, you know, in the country, in the world. That's, that's, so as far as uh, the actual, what would you say, public <laughs> access, are you planning like, to be open to like for distillery tours or it's just a production facility. The only thing you're kind of building is the aspect of bringing brands in and then where they can be taste tasting what, how, where it's, you know, as it ages and the labs and everything, that's what, that's what you guys are concentrating on. Brands will be able to, you know, the brands, we have special facilities that we are building uh, inside for the brands, the brands, uh, are going to be able to bring their sales teams in, their distributors, all of those components. But in terms of the public, the facility is closed. It's actually extremely secure, completely fast, with great security protocol. Um, it's important because you know we'll have hundreds of millions of dollars of uh, you know of people's inventory in there. And frankly, you know it's crazy if it's not all completely fenced in and secure. You know, not all facilities are. You know, we have just sort of assumed over the years that. You know, they know nothing's going to happen, but yeah, every now and then you do have little things. But the fact of the matter is, you know, we would never treat any other inventory um, uh, you know, without this kind of security. So it's a completely secure facility. What I will tell you um, that we are looking at for the future, which is exciting, is we will, um, at the right point in the right place, have, you know, whiskey house tasting rooms. We actually can have two of them under the Kentucky law, where we'll be able to showcase. Uh, the products that we produce. And so that we will operate as a great benefit to our customers um, that are part of the program. So that will be an added benefit that um, you get to enjoy, but they will not be on site. Um, the law in Kentucky now allows you to have one within 10 miles of the facility and then another one anywhere else in the state. So um, we plan to, to take full advantage of that. Utilize it. Yeah. To be able to taste the product. Okay. Absolutely. Do you, well, maybe you have a podcast room. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> he goes, probably not. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see at the festival. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's a lot of other places to uh, do the promotion and that type of stuff. So, so that's, that's awesome news. It's it, you're opening up in July, right? Uh, now, 
The other question. So after Bardstown, the whole thing goes down. Were you guys uh, from the get go? Was it just an offer that you couldn't refuse or did they come approach you? How did the whole Bardstown Bourbon Company thing go down? That's something that is confidential. Okay. uh, Really can't get into those um, details. Um, on this podcast, but I'll tell you, you know, the sale of Bardstown was, um, you know, one of those, um, you know, moments like in anything with any business, it's always kind of has, especially for the founders of a business, you know, it has its like exciting and happy moments. It's always, you know, a, you know, a, a kind of, you know, loss component, you know, because it's going in a, you know, in a different direction, but it's, uh, you know, for me, it was a, it was a wonderful opportunity. And it gave us the wherewithal to be able to do what we're doing, you know, right now. So uh, I look at all of it uh, extremely positively. You know, it was such a wonderful team that we built at Bardstown. Um, many of those people that are there, you know, are ones that, you know, I hired personally, you know, that we hired. Um, and it's great to see them continuing to flourish, continuing to do great. As I said, there is so much room in this industry. This, you know, we see everything growing continuing to grow look it's going to have its ups and downs we know we've got some you know headaches coming out of covid but these are short term in many ways uh in my personal opinion i think the long-term prospects for the bourbon industry uh in general are extremely favorable i mean unless everyone is wrong and so you know heaven hills doubling ground form is doubling Yaggio, you know you just go on you're doubling and it's not just for domestic growth it's for international growth and so while, you know, the, the market may go like this over time, um, it's going to go like this, but it's going to end up, you know, in that upward tra- trajectory that, you know, that's my personal opinion. Well, I mean, honestly, what, as the liquid keeps getting produced more, even now I can see the results of the push you know, seven, eight years ago when it was first the and and the distilleries were, you know, 2012, probably right at that point is when they all were like, well, we better start making and then every year they were making more and more and more. And then their predictions kept they still weren't getting enough um, liquid to the market. And just this past year, I feel that it's starting to, you know, it's the the stuff is there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people can't have and always wanted to get and they're starting to be able to obtain it without having to pay you know astronomical secondary prices so that you can notice that there's some stuff on the there's some stuff on the shelves you know people you know wait in line for the specific stuff but at the same time there's 10 other bottles in there that you could buy that's probably better than what you're waiting for. So as you know, you know, as everybody knows, it's always about what we can't have. <laughs> it's right. just, but that's right. it's, and that, I think that actually applies to like all of life. Yes. <laughs> we all want what we can't have. And then when we get it, we just want that's to it. find something else we can't have. Right. So, that's and, right. and the industry, right. industry has been doing a good job of coming out with limited editions and that type of thing. And it's the, you know, where this goes down in the, the time period of whiskey and you're part of it is that this was the, 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 the time where all the old distilleries and all the old brands could be, there's enough money to bring them back. There's enough money to make new brands and set up and uh, revamp all the equipment 
you know, and and everybody knows eventually there'll be another time when, you know, when everybody there's, you know, certain time periods all all the time where they'll be in charge of just watching over the inventory. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure the, you know, when Stitzel Weller went out of business and the Van Winkles kept their inventory there, they were really glad they did. So because even now they don't put enough to market, right? But they're but they're putting tw- all worked out. twenty and right. twenty three year old whiskey out to market every year. So I mean, and that's a hard thing to do, consider especially in Kentucky, considering the yield of that barrel. You know, so all right, yeah, that's absolutely right. All right, so you went from Bardstown and you had a moment at Kentucky Owl. So just just was. Just talk about what that was like in between. Yeah, it's. I'll tell you, it's great. And so I, I know uh, the Stoli family and the owner of Stoli, you know, personally. Um, going back early on was part of helping introduce Dixon to them um, at the time. Uh, and then we got the contract at Bardstown to produce uh, Kentucky Owl. It was one of our earliest, honestly, one of our earliest contracts. They've always maintained a great relationship. So when I stepped back as CEO uh, of Bardstown, you know, they slowly had approached me and asked me if I would help them reposition and try to get the Kentucky Out project here back on track. And and you know, and frankly, it's a beautiful, it's an absolutely beautiful project. It was one that I was extremely familiar with with day one. There are wonderful groups that are involved in it. You know, that that it was basically a year. Um and having the opportunity to work with Shigirabon, which is one of the best architecture firms in the world, one of the most creative, um, just some exceptional people. Um, and it was ultimately the, you know, the former CEO of Stoli, um, Damian McKinney, who I knew very well uh, in the past, that you know, um, convinced me to come and join them. And you know, I live here in Bardstown. You know, I love that project. I want to see it, you know, succeed. And I stayed there. We reworked the project. Um, we got it on a you know a different trajectory, and then when Bardstown sold, you know, I had to I had to tell them you know I had, I had something else that I needed to do now, yeah. and so um, we uh, brought in uh, Lorenzo, who is great. He is uh, overseeing the project right now, you know, and it's you know it's getting there. Lorenzo is great. Yeah. Isn't Lorenzo uh, amazing? Uh, Super, really yeah. He's a perfect perfect person for it, and you know, and look. Uh, I think, you know, it has all of the right elements, um, you know, to succeed. It's like a lot of things, you know, just these things sometimes take, um, they take time. And so uh, I I couldn't, you know, say more wonderful things about um, uh, the group that I worked with um, there. And uh, Dan, like everything, I wish them uh, the best of luck. We just had their whole team here uh, during the Bourbon Festival. They released the bottle that's sitting right in front of you. Continuing, they're continuing to make some, you know, wonderful things um, and great expressions. I still think it's one of the, you know, the great urban brands out there. It's truly iconic. Um, you know, Dixon did a wonderful job in creating that. Sully's done a really nice job in extending, you know, with these, you know, with some of the innovations. And so, um, you know, look, I look forward to seeing them all again at this year's one of the bottles when you when uh, you were there. Yeah, yeah, it's a Kumi edition. It's a great one. Um, they're really just amazing, amazing blends. It's well, great. Yeah. You know, when, when you put really creative people together, um, they do very neat things. 
Well, Dixon almost did too good of a job because that was hard for when he left. It was just like the community there. But but they I think they've done a really nice job uh, while you were there. There's no doubt that's one of the things that you that was happening. And then uh, going forward, like like you said, that that piece of property is just uh, and what they want to do with it. There's a lot of it. You know, it's like you. I see what you're doing. And you're talking July, and I swear to God, I, but it was just announced, and it was in my brain a month ago, and now all of a sudden you're talking July, and then with them you see it, and we're still, you know, they're still trying yeah. to... I know, but look, let's, listen, I'll tell you what we are doing at Whiskey House is honestly is unheard of in terms of speed, and the reason we're able to do it is a function of a couple of things. First, John Hargrove who is, I mean, is absolutely incredible in every respect in terms of not only designing and managing um, the construction of this facility. I know you guys don't look at me thinking that I'm responsible um, for managing uh, the day in and day out of that project. You know, that is, all the credit goes to John there. And the second piece of that equation is music construction. And so... We created that relationship, and I'll never forget it. I, uh, I met Music the first day, basically, I came to Bardstown. Um, and we were, you know, starting to look around at construction firms, and we were introduced to them, and we had, you know, our attorneys time was saying, hey, you know, look at the big guys. These are the big guys. They build them. And I was introduced to Ami Blanco and Donald Blanco, and they were building, you know, all the houses at the time in the state. They still do. They worked on uh, basically on every distillery project, but they had not built the distillery from scratch. And Tommy sat me down and he said, David, we can build this. We'll do it. We'll be fair. We'll work in a very close team together. Uh, we won't go, we'll, we'll get it on time. We'll keep it on budget. And that's what we did. And we did that with a handshake. And I'll tell you that that meeting, there's still a Manton's Day construction team meeting, which I ran. Um, uh, every week, and of course, and, and when John came in, he you know he took it over, and I sat in it um, and added where I could. Um, but that Wednesday meeting still exists, and you're now a decade later, and so that relationship was critical for us. It was critical for Busick. Busick went on then to get uh, the Luxoro contract, yep. Log Still, Jim Beam Stillhouse, uh, Heaven Hill, the new distillery. I mean, it just goes on and on, and so. They, they have so many exciting projects. And when it came time to build Whiskey House, Tommy Blanco always said to me, if you need anything, David, you call. Never took him up on that, although we always had some really funny jokes that we were going to play on him um, for that. But um, <laughs> I called him up and I said, remember, um, now I need it. And we did. We got the A-team and with John and with him and the team we have assembled they able to move at light speed. We designed the facility while we were, um, and basically while we were acquiring the property at the same time as we are purchasing equipment before we have it designed so we can get way ahead of the schedules. That's how we got everything way ahead. Uh, you know, we got all of them done by all the equipment in the facility hooked up already. Yeah, um, which, is, so, which is insane. I mean, I know yeah. a lot of people that are, <laughs> years out on Vendome, but yeah, you hear a lot. You hear a lot of a lot of stories from a lot of other distilleries and stuff, and they're backlogged at Vendome. Whereas, like I say, you guys jump way ahead of the game 
and, and we jumped ahead of it, and we did, and we were able, you know, again, this is all, this is because of John and because of the team, the construction team, we were able to work that way. It's non-traditional. You really, I can't even imagine any other circumstances where if you didn't have that trust level, um, you wouldn't be able to do it. Right. They're wonderful, wonderful people. It's a family-owned business, and it really is honestly a testament to, again, you know, what we were talking about before the podcast started, which is the importance of, you know, being part of the local community and giving back and living here. I mean, it is, it's so, so important. Um, to business because had not that not been the case, we wouldn't have been able to do this. It, it, it wouldn't be possible. I mean, it is technically what you're talking about. It's like the the family that of the bourbon industry and and everybody and their relationships. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, you know, I was there in 2019 uh, for Kentucky Bourbon Fest, first time I was ever down, and I remember going to Bardstown, and it basically was. The distillery in the field with the with a rickhouse, <laughs> and 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 uh, maybe two. I I might there might have been two, but I don't. We had, even, we, had we had a couple. Yeah, but but when you got off the the highway, it was you could see it, and what the main thing that stuck out was in the middle of everything was the patio with the furniture and the fireplaces and. But there was really that was that was all that was there. I mean, That's it. We, had just, yeah. we had just opened the restaurant, you know, at that time, um, you know, and uh, you know, we had uh, in twenty nineteen we were open probably six seven months, but you know, it was uh, you know it really had just gotten going. I was early, you know early twenty nineteen, um, but you're right. Um, and then you go out there today. You know, when I stepped down, we had we had designed the bottle facility. We were ready to. Uh, break ground on that. That was all done. Um, you know, we had basically every inch of that property laid out. The only thing that's real, one of the fundamental differences from where we were taking it uh, and from where it went after the founders stepped back is we had the, the hotel deal basically done. You know, we were putting a hotel right across from uh, the distillery, a beautiful concept that would have looked, you know, and mimicked uh, what that distillery looks like. So it would have been about an 80-room hotel um, with, you know, rooftop, uh, garden, spa. Um, and, to you know, I, frankly, I think it would have been, from a hospitality standpoint, an absolute game changer. You're seeing it coming. Acres is doing a little bit of it. But, you know, when we talk about, you know, constant evolution, you know, and pushing um, the boundaries of business, you know, those, you know, those are the, honestly, those are the kinds of things that, um you know, that are exciting, you know, to me. And that was, that was our, that was our next project. Yeah. I think uh log still has that hotel in the, they, they, have, the, they have the cabins. Um, yep. They have, but we have the Airbnbs. Yeah. But the thing that's going to be closest to what uh, we were going to be doing at Bardstown is coming now. Um, and it's the trail hotel. And so, Keep an eye out for this. These are, um, this is Will and Alicia Hardy. They are newcomers to Bardstown that came here in the last, a little over, it's been now almost two years, two, maybe a little bit more. But they bought the old Holiday Inn property that's out on, right on the bluegrass. Yeah. Under construction now. It is going to be an absolutely beautiful facility. Um, and it's going to be an incredible addition. This is going to be the first hotel of this size, caliber, quality. Here for the 
community forest. Well, yeah, and I, I would and say I would say that is one thing that yeah that's needed. And you knew based off of what you were doing at uh, you know Barstow Bourbon Company with that. And yes, there's no doubt. There's a lot of uh, what would you say? I wouldn't say subpar, but average stays there where everything else is way above average in high, high experience where that just doesn't make sense that you don't, okay, because so I think. That's right. And we're, and we're making headway. You know, what we've gotten, you know, we, uh, the, you know, the first thing that needed to be done in Bardstown was get the room. So what we had is we had new lodging. So at a, you know, more of a business like traveler, you know, level. It's mm-hmm. fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's needed. And we needed it all. And now what you're seeing is more boutique. So Bardstown Motor Lodge, uh, I was involved in that project and bringing that in. So you're getting a little bit more of kind of the unique, um, you know, the unique um, experience. You get the restaurant, you get the pool, the bar. We take it. We took the, we took it, you know, an old 1950s motel, gave it a facelift, much like you see in Napa Valley. That's a, That was a great addition. The trail coming in, a couple more of these. We have several more of these uh, motor lodge style properties uh, in Bardstown. I think, you know, if you look down, you look in the future, you're going to see, you know, those, uh, what we did at the motor lodge, you're going to see more of that with those as well. Well, it also seems like the younger crowd really loves that motor lodge, you know, kind of. Because they got the pool and it's just that, little, you know, it's not a giant pool that you get at whatever and they're all out there. And that you just at the festival, that's I found that you know that late twenty, early thirty fun. crowd was, was just y- yep they were they were they were going at they were going at it all weekend that's for sure. No, it was it was a party at the Motor Lodge all weekend, um, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. And so you know those kind of unique um, hospitality offerings, you're going to see more of that um, coming to Bardstown. You're going to see some tasting rooms showing up. Um, from other uh, other brands and other distilleries. Now that the law has, you know, uh, allows that in Kentucky. So just, you know, you keep an eye out. We've got some great things. Evergreen Liquors came in on Thursday, put in a beautiful facility that is, oh. you know, frankly, it's packed at night. Yeah. You go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, I mean, and then don't the mention bar in there. Don't mention right. the around the corner thing because I like that right the way it is. It's a secret. <laughs> you know, we don't want to talk about the <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could talk yeah. about the whole stuff. I'm yeah. just like that. Just yeah. that that whole experience between the two is was fantastic. And and you know, I, I think there's the, that's one thing that Bardstown is starting. You know, it's. You've got the level of what, you know, what you guys have done, the Brindiamo, you know, penthouse suite. And yes. I mean, and then everything that's happening there, the the level and experience is going up and you're on the board uh, for the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. But I think also it's a year round position. I mean, you guys are talking about the festival probably within a week or two of it and starting for the next year, but it also is very um, connected with all the distilleries and then all the hotels and restaurants around. And I really think that that culture that you guys are developing through the festival, how you've taken that festival to another level. I mean, locally, as far as initially how it was, what you had to do, it was very difficult and rough on you guys. But I think 
as you keep going forward, and you could talk about this, that everybody's starting to see how awesome, you know, even down to like the, the experience of the local experiences are being upped, like the lighting up of Bardstown always have been, but there's more places to go when you do that now. Right. Right. And look, change isn't easy anywhere, you know, and in a small community, you know, it also, uh, particularly here. So, you know, when we changed the festival, you know, it was something, you know, it had to be done, but, you know, I look at what, has happened with the festival. And so Randy Prossi, who we brought in, who has done absolutely exceptional job running that. Sam Lacey, who runs um, Bourbon Guild and the Bourbon Capital Community Alliance. That was, you know, a organization that we created to help create um, ambassadors within the community. Um, and, and that is, you know, tied in and supported by the bourbon industry. So we've got the guild working together with the festival yeah, in the same, uh, occupying the same space. Um, and Brindiamo coming in and supporting it. You're seeing all of these things come together in these synergies, um, which are really incredible. You know what I just noticed? Um, my uh, computer is about to die here. So I'm going to continue talking to you. Okay, yeah, I'm get the plug. Dis- I'm okay. going to disappear for a second and get the plug. Yeah, get so <laughs> that's, a, that's fine. All right. <laughs> but, you know, that what you see is, you know, you see um, the community coming together you know, in a physical space here. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad that you, you know, appreciate um, what has been created um, at the Grindy Alma Penthouse. And, you know, frankly, you know, Jeff Hotmeyer and Jeff Steinberg, um, you know, who leads Grindy Alma, you know, they are extremely generous in the money that they donated to build that, to help us outfit our space. Because, you know, we, you know, we rely on uh, those donations. Uh, to be able to do that, and so you know, that was really important. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's a really cool space. I, I you know, so we're, we're, we're going to change views here very quickly. Okay, so I'm going to walk with you. It's a little <laughs> bit uh, unusual here in terms of podcast. Uh, no, <laughs> there we go. Oh, we've done it all. Don't worry. Actually, tonight's going pretty well as far as technical for us. That's for sure. And and yeah, and thank you, thank you for not letting your computer die because it would just be like all of a sudden. That I've actually, I've actually not be, would not be fun. I've done a podcast where the computer died, and then we're still live Facebook and we're still live on YouTube. So I had to go upstairs while they talked and get the cord, plug it in, and then the the podcast software came back up and was still recording. I was just like, well, there was a gap, obviously, but it was yeah, so. Right, yeah, right. We've, well, we've done things. When it does that, it, it makes me the host. <laughs> the steps him out and leaves a blank space there for a while. Yeah, but, uh, we work through it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. All right. So, you know, that that sense of community, like like even like you said, some of the people that work for, you know, that are on part of Kentucky Bourbon Festival are also part of the guild. But just when you go to, you know, you go to the festival or you go down to Bardstown, all those people are are part of the community and are consistently out in the community promoting bourbon. Stacy, Pritchard, shout out to her and. I'm glad that you noticed that because that was the purpose um, of creating the guild. And so, 
Now, one of the things that we said when we created the, cap, the Community Capital Alliance, and this goes back to a meeting that myself and Bill Samuels had with in Houston going back to 2015, 2016, and we said we really need, you know, the distillers are making these investments. We really need Bardstown to help step up and invest as well because we got to do this together. The opportunities there. Um, you know, Louisville had its was launching its five year you know plan at the time. Mayor Fisher and we said we we have to have a plan here. We've got to create that for Bardstown. Uh, we need Bardstown to grow and invest alongside the distilleries. And so you know, uh, Kim uh, jumped right to it too. We created um, the BCCA, which is the Bur- Bourbon Capital Community Alliance, um, which is funded by donations from the distilleries with a mission to help do these things as well. And so creating the guild was one of those where what we saw is we really wanted, um, we wanted when people came to town, um, we wanted to make sure that there was a, you know, a contingent here of people that were well-trained, well-educated on bourbon, loved it, served as ambassadors to the community, could go out and help their volunteers for the festival, like all of those things. That's what the guild created. And so the guild, you join the guild and the distilleries help support it by creating those unique events. And then it becomes this, you know, becomes this group that is really on top of everything happening in bourbon. And you, and you see it. And then, of course, Jeff came in and helped us outfit our offices to create you know, a place for it. And it, and it has educational facilities in it. So, like, again, like the, these things are it's evolutionary, but it, it's happening. It's working. And I'm really, I'm so glad that you said that because that is exactly the purpose. That is exactly why we created it. Well, and then you see the distilleries themselves feeding off of it, but also it's so unique to see on a consistent basis, the distillery people getting together. Like I see tons of photos with Stacy. And she's at Jim Beam, but then she's with someone with Heaven Hill. They're all interacting. They're all a part of all the different distilleries. But then there, there's events like, you know, there's uh, local. Uh, I, there was a event at uh, Bardstown, an event at Preservation. where well, we every one coming up Thursday at Heaven Hill yes. uh, with the Guild. You know, I'll be there. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's great. And the and Sam has done an excellent job programming it, you know, because again, it's like one thing, you know, you create these kinds of organizations and then they don't do anything and then they kind of like die. He has done an exceptional job working, keeping it active, uh, finding really good things, working with the distilleries. And so, um, you know, it, 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 and now, you know, over time we'll be expanding the membership so that more people can get involved in it. So, it, you know, it's great. Well, and and then you'll also see Freddie No at one of them at Heaven. You know, they're they're not. You see that that family of of distilleries, and then every once in a while you'll see Jimmy Russell come down or whatever. It's but but when you go to Louisville, you don't really you don't see that old Forester interacting. They're all kind of separate up there. How it how it is, but then and then in Frankfurt you've got a lot of stuff going on there, but you don't get that intertwining of community between the distilleries. You know, I, I don't, I've never been at a place where, uh, 
let's just say um, Bruce Russell was there, and then you know uh, <laughs> Harlan Wheatley. They they just aren't hanging out all together in Frankfurt like the community does in Bardstown. You know, if I, we go out with Sandy No, and she sees everybody. I mean, everybody from everywhere, because <laughs> most right. people, most of the people like I think what it is, is most of the people have worked at multiple distilleries. So they might have worked at Jim Beam, but now they're at Heaven Hill or they're, do, you know, and so because it's so intertwined, the community now has so you guys have created so much to do. There's a lot to do. They're not just, you, you know, it's a small town. And a lot of times, I think maybe even 10, 15 years ago, there was a lot of not so much going on and now there's always something going on and now there's so much going on and you know and even the, the same people that are involved in the industry are also opening up businesses like you know abusive construction donald he opened with his business partner scout and scholar an incredible brewery you would walk in there you'd think that this business has been here forever right. you know they opened that what three years ago now and they opened that business to give back to the community and that was donald one of donald's and his family's contributions to say we're going to build this um and david downs who's uh, also in the industry is uh is part of the partner in it we're going to do this and we're going to give back and you have just seen uh just right for the festival newman miller who ran the restaurant makers who was a staple you know in the culinary side of the industry just opened up mr tubbs yep. which is the old laundromat here i mean i just went by tonight they've got a party and event going on there they got the pizza oven going on outside i mean it was rocking and, um, you know, and, you know, these are the things, you know, that are happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, Denny Potter, uh, we, the, when we were down there, Denny Potter was there. Um, Lisa Roper Wicker was there. Her daughter runs it, I believe. Yes, that's right. right. Oh, that's yeah. Rachel. And Rachel was also a board member when we reconstituted the board for the festival. Rachel was part of the original board team uh, when I started as chairman uh, that, uh, help make all the changes. Uh, uh, Rachel played an important role in that. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. The whole, the whole, like I said, the whole community, uh, there's a lot of things I learned this past festival of what I want to do after the festival. I just, I, 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 I it's, I'll throw, if Stacy's still watching, basically I'm just going to tailor. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have a better person. Stacy joined, you know, Stacy joined the festival. She has been um, a tremendous addition um, to the team. You've got obviously had a wonderful, you know, you've had a great opportunity to work with her. She's got um, energy. She's connected to the community. You know, she's bringing everybody together. Um, you're you're tailing the right person if you want to go out um, in Bardstown. Well, yeah, it, it all, we're going to be coming down there. I think we're going to be in Louisville on saturday so i'm going to be trying to because she's i mean who has who has residents in barstown and louisville that's that's the girl the, the girl is connected and her louisville is just all about the festival and all the connections so yeah definitely we we she 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 laughed. She put a she put a ha ha. <laughs> What's even better is that she's actually watching us. That's the, that's the other thing. She watches us. Uh, I think she she usually chimes in uh, when we do these podcasts. And if she's yeah, not she's if she's not running around somewhere else, but she'll chime in. That's for sure. Uh, all right. So let's let's finish up. Uh, what what. Kind of just tell us 
the whole thing about, you know, just wrap up what, what's about to happen in July. You know, <laughs> you know, there well, the marketing part. <laughs> we, you know, it's a very quiet, you don't you don't see, you know, Whiskey House advertising, doing that kind of work. We have relationships with the brands, with the customers are long term. You know, much of what we do is word of mouth. Um, it's a very exclusive group of companies or brands that come, you know, into us. We're very selective in terms of who we work with, um, but we've got an incredible customer base. Um, we've got a list, uh, uh, you know, a waiting list, too, of others um, for, you know, our services. We're sorting through some of that as we, you know, as we go forward here. Um, we've got, you know, expansion plans uh, for 27. Well, you know, like any good business, the most important thing is you know, to, you know, do, you know, a handful of things really well and right. That's what we're focused on. We're focused on um, getting open. Um, developing the business, you know, working with our customers, fulfilling all the promises that you heard me mention when we opened um, this segment. Um, and so uh, that's a lot. And so, um, you know, that's, that, that will be our focus. And, you know, you'll continue um, to hear from us. While we won't be open to the public, while we won't have, you know, press inside the facility, um, we'll certainly uh, be looking forward to telling you about what's happening. Um, and you know you'll you'll hear about a lot of the exciting things that are that are taking place at Whiskey House. We're also going to be big supporters of the festival um, going forward. You'll see us there. Um, you know, I I uh, I absolutely you know believe in the festival. You know, the time that we put into it, you know, and we will support that um, as a business too. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have you on the board on on the on still on the board. I mean, that's just great. And then. Nash, do you have any questions before we go? No, I think he's pretty much covered everything. Uh, it, it's been great. Uh, yeah, uh, everything that I had in mind to ask, uh, is you pretty much uh, covered. And uh, I'm just excited and looking forward to uh, the future of Whiskey House. And uh, I do have one question. Uh, in July, uh, can we get an invite uh, for the grand opening? We'd love, to be there. We'd, love, we'd love to come up there live. Well, that would be great. If we have a, you know, a public facing for that, we will absolutely, absolutely include you for that. But I'd, I'd also like to say, first of all, just thank you on you know, a couple of fronts. And thank you for you know, having me on tonight, obviously, very much so. Also, you guys, the work that you do, you know, we talked all of this time about supporting the industry and all of that. You know, your podcast, your efforts. You know, I don't think there's enough credit given to the kinds of things that you, you know, and, you know, many of your, you know, uh, you know, many of your colleagues um, do as well. In terms of, you know, you guys play an important role, not only getting the word out, keeping people interested, keeping people engaged, you know, serving as a you know, kind of conduit between the brands and the consumer, being able to provide, you know, a forum to talk about things, to be able to you know, to criticize, this is all like really healthy stuff. You need to be able to do this. And so, you know, I really appreciate the role you guys play. It's also why we were so excited to have you involved in the festival. Um, and, you know, please just, you know, keep up the good work. And if there's anything that we can do, I can do, you just, you know, let us know. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. That's, that's really means a lot uh, coming from you, David. And uh, well, we, it's, we really, it really is the truth. 
I, it's absolutely the truth. And, you know, it should be said um, more often. I think in the industry, we kind of sort of take these things for granted. And this whole industry that has popped up and supported all of us on the podcast and the Instagram. I, but it's true. I mean, uh, it, it's supporting the industry in many ways. I. I work for my cousin uh, in recycling. I'm the plant manager. So I understand from a plant manager standpoint of when when I go into a distillery, it's almost besides, I mean, the hydraulics, uh, grinders, all the almost all them, you know, the motors are the same and the, the problems are definitely the same. Uh, but also the 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 way things go and how the the whiskey buying public perceives certain things like somehow because the the liquid is in in shortage there's so many accusations but you know when you get to meet the people like yourself and the people making that directly and you can you understand what they're trying to do and they tell you about the problems. And then also I know about problems like when you're building something or it doesn't just, it just doesn't turn on and there's no problems. I mean, you're it's just getting something going, going is very, uh, it's a very difficult and stressful thing to do. And, but the, the, the more people and the better people you have working on it, uh, the better the project goes. But, you know, like you said, you learned on that on your first project, and now that you're doing it this way, you've met so many other people, and you, you've kind of been. But I'm sure, you know, it's not 100. percent But just with that said, knowing what it really is, and then have someone in the line while you're waiting tell you how it is, and you're just you just kind of smile. So that's what we try and do with this: is kind of bring. To the you know the the people out there, some sort of perspective to the industry that you know it's not just a scam to make a, a marketing ploy to just make money. Now, I mean, some some people earn it honestly, <laughs> but for the most part, I find in bourbon, I mean, you you talk to 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 the distillers and everything, and that ha- they're they're interested in making whiskey, and they'll fight for the quality of the whiskey opposed to, you know, it's a fight, but you know, that's, that's what we try and do. So I appreciate you acknowledging that. (laughs) Well, absolutely. Thank you. And thanks for doing it. All right. To me, me, I I try to like to bring a balance between the two to let the people know between the making the money and and also to let the, the backstory of, of, the work and, and the people, all of the great people that I've met that's involved in their stories and, and the the passion that each and every one, I mean, all the way down to the person that's grinding that grain to unloading that grain or delivering that grain. Each one, it seems like they have a passion, you know, to making whiskey and, and bringing them all together, you know, and, you know, being able to help tell their story and, uh, and get it out there to the whiskey and bourbon, uh, lovers and enthusiasts is, you know, just, uh, kind of a little bit of a benefit to me. And well, it, it's great. It's absolutely great. Thank you for doing that because there's so many, so many wonderful stories and so many people that are involved absolutely. in the process. They don't, you know, they don't get the recognition. Um, but, absolutely. uh, you know, but uh, they play extremely important roles, you know, in the yes. whole health of the industry. 
Well, uh, what what you're doing with uh, Whiskey House of Kentucky is really cool because you don't your backstory is you, and there's no romantic something happened that you guys are mm-hmm. responsible about. Uh, if somebody's going to restore a brand, that's that's on them, and you basically make good whiskey for them and the way they want it made. And so I, it's it's I, it's a good it's a great idea. And so I look forward to you know what's ha- what's Thank how you. it's going to happen. Look forward to sharing sharing more with you um, as we progress here. Absolutely, and thanks for sharing some of the insight and the stories, you know, all the way back from New York uh, and everything, and uh, and how you got here today. So, uh, real interesting and uh, amazing stuff, and uh, and I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, out there uh, enjoyed it too, and. Just thanks again for being here. Um, it's, my, it's, my, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Every, everybody, uh, we'll wrap this one up. We're the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Thank you, Dan. Oh, my God. Dave. <laughs> Where my head is, I don't know. But anyways, and thanks, Super Nash. Uh, remember, www.scotchybourbonboys.com for all Scotchy Bourbon Boys things, like our Scotchy Bourbon Boys, Glenn Karens, and also our... Uh, t-shirts and bourbon balls Uh, with that uh, remember follow us on instagram facebook youtube and x and then all the major podcast formats remember like listen subscribe and leave good feedback remember good bourbon equals good times and good friends make sure you drink responsibly don't drink and drive and live your life dangerously little steve-o's gonna take us out Scotchy Bourbon Boys fans, this is Alan Bishop, Indiana's Alchemist of the Black Forest. So I'm tuning in here today to tell you all about the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute channel on YouTube. If you're at all interested in the art of distilling, whether it be home distilling or professional distilling, and the intense geekery that goes into that process, then check out the One Piece at a Time Distilling Institute on YouTube. I promise you're going to learn something you didn't know before about the arts.